No part of this lecture may be reproduced in any form, even for personal use. That's one of the reasons he died before his brothers. So because Yosef, either because he embalmed his father without permission, or because he heard the words of the Ha'odinu, and he didn't react enough, and therefore Yosef was punished according to that. Now the other opinions... The other opinion why Yeshua died before his brothers. However, according to this opinion, it means that Kodesh Borahu was medactic with Yeshua for the most minute kind of transgression. So the Rehab is quoting this to let us know that we shouldn't overlook small things in our career, small mistakes in our lives. We should try to avoid them and to correct them even when we made them already. We should look back and think about ourselves. That's the lesson he wants to teach us. Say that aside. Dolites. Now he cites the case of Dovid. The Vishekoro, the Divertero's mirrors, Dovid called the Torah songs. Your laws were my songs. Now that's a place where they sing. A song is something that makes you happy. And David said, your laws were like my songs. And yet, it was held as a criticism against him. Because songs are something more lighthearted, where the chukei Hashem are more important, more serious than songs. And therefore, in a very minute sense, it was a criticism. Nena, she was punished. Shenich shall be dvar uzo. In the matter of uzo, when they were transporting the Aroin Habris from one place to another, Uzo, one of the people who was there, when he thought that the Aroin Habris was slipping off the wagon, he held it with his hand, it shouldn't slip off. And Uzo fell dead. The great tragedy in the midst of David's Simcha. <coughs> now, David was the one who had planned the whole program to bring this, the Aroin Habris. And now, in the middle of David's great program, someone fell dead as a result. And that's like a punishment, because David had said these words to me, and his rejoicing was caused to be confused. Now this we have to understand. When a person will say to Hashem that your laws are to me like Zemiris, Nothing is wrong. The fact is, we still say it until him. That pasuk is until him today too. We didn't change that pasuk, and it's recommended to everyone to say that. So we see for us how right we should say it. We enjoy learning Torah like hearing a beautiful song. How right it would be true. We say Make the Torah sweet in our mouths, so the Torah is sweet to you like a beautiful song. That's a madrega perfection. And yet, there was a certain degree of callous, of light-headedness there, when it was said. Oh, the David never retracted it, and Hashem never told him to erase it. The beautiful words, important words. Nevertheless, when it's said without sufficient understanding, and people might think it's something like a song, therefore it's considered disrespect of the great importance of Torah. 
So we see that Akkadish Bora who looks at things in a magnifying glass. Say that aside. We shouldn't think, we shouldn't think that this criticism is only for great men, which for small people like ourselves is nothing to be afraid of. It's just the opposite. These great men actually had noble emotions when they did these things. When Yosef involved his father, he did it with a greater respect for his father. He wanted to give him a royal funeral and to take him to Eretz Canaan. And it was necessary to embalm the body. So he did it with Kiddusha, with the service of Hashem, with all the emotions that were necessary. That's the Kiddush, despite their greatness. Or David, when he says Miris, he meant the Torah was to him very great happiness. Like he said, to me, your laws are sweeter than honey. And he meant it. He enjoyed the Torah Hashem more than somebody enjoyed budding into a honeycomb. So despite their greatness that they had in mind when they said these things, they were criticized. So certainly others who have small things that they ignore, but they don't have any great emotions to justify these small things, they surely have to be afraid and have to make up their minds to keep their eye on themselves. One more. Michal. Michal, the wife of David. When she saw David dancing in front of the Avrein Habrist, so she said, it's not proper for you. So a king should dance among the servants and maidservants? And so David said, it's my honor to dance before Hashem with the servants and maidservants. Now the see, Shehichicha David, because she criticized David, because he danced in the street in front of the Arab. Then shall she was punished? Shall She didn't have any child until she died. When she had her one child, she passed away. Now, Michal really was justified because the king, Shamochal a king had no right to yield his color. And Sayyim Tosim Alechamela, Shatayimosalah, a king has to behave in such a way that causes people to be afraid of him. So from her point of view, it was necessary to tell him that he shouldn't dance among the servants and maidservants. And yet, because there was a certain amount of lack of understanding of the greatness of David when he served Hashem. David, when he was before Hashem, he's not a mala. He said, you're the mala. He said, I'm not a mala. And David lowered himself to the status of the Avodim Mishwachis when he came to the honor of dancing in front of the Arena Bris. And because she misunderstood that, now, you can't blame her. You have to know that she was a person who has perfectly justified motives. Nevertheless, in a very minute degree, there was a certain criticism, and she was severely punished for that. Say that aside. Chizki Yahu. Because he revealed to the princes of the king of Babel who came to visit him. He revealed to them his treasure house. Akadish Baruch who considered that 
an impropriety in order to honor the idol worshippers with such a great covert that he took them into his treasury and showed them it was considered as if he was flattering or giving too much honor to idolaters was decreed on his children that they should be servants in the palace of the king of Baal. Now there's another element here. Chizkiah wished to ingratiate himself with Baal and he relied therefore on their friendship. So I showed him that when a person puts too much trust in boss of Adam, in some measure he forgets about trusting in Hashem, and therefore it turned out that Bovel was the ruler over his children, Hanania, Mishrael, Azariah, and Daniel of the royal house. All of them were servants in the palace of the king of Bovel. Now, if we would be asked, we wouldn't see anything wrong. If you try to become more friendly to a powerful nation, it would stand to reason that you have to do everything. But I call this who just his care by a very fine caliper, very fine measure. And the smallest amount of too much confidence in the Gentiles would mean to a little extent that he lacked a certain trust in Hashem. Now, we wouldn't say that. But that's the verdict of the possible. And many other examples of this same kind. Say that inside. When Rabbi Yechanan always encountered the following Pasik, he began to weep. What's the Pasik? I shall approach to you for judgment and I shall be a swift witness to testify quickly against you against those who practice kishuv and those who practice immorality and against those who swear falsely and those who wrong their working men and they pay me they don't pay them or they don't pay them in time so Hashem said I'm going to come close and I'll hurry to judge and take retribution for that Abiyachan began to weep whenever he came to that passage and he said Ebed a servant against whom his master weighs small things as seriously as it is important things. Here you see, holding back the pay from a working man is compared to those people who commit adultery. They're committing adultery is a capital crime. To wrong somebody who works for you is wrong, but not a capital crime. And still they're all lumped together. 
And the same, same serious words are said about them. I shall cut off the approach myself. I myself will approach the judgment, and I shall be a swift witness against you. So a servant, that they weigh against him. The small things, like the severe things, Takona Yeshlo, does such a servant have any opportunity to rescue himself? Which means, HaKadosh Baruch will judge everyone, even for what seems to him small things, with great severity. Now that's one thing the mother says, that people are not aware. That's called Oymekadin, how deep is the judgment for Hashem against them. Because people are always willing to defend themselves and excuse themselves. And therefore, and now he's revealing to us that's one of the great errors of mankind. HaKadosh Baruch even for small things, judges most severely. This statement surely does not mean that the punishment will be the same. You can't say the same punishment for committing adultery will be the same punishment for withholding the wages of the working man. When it does pay retribution, it pays only with a measure, with a proper measure. And of course, the more severe the sins are more severely punished. But it means this, when it comes to weighing the deeds with the same carefulness, the same severity, the same attention, I call this what I gives to the smaller things, he pays as much attention as he does to the severe things. In the scale, when he'll weigh, he'll weigh everything. Even the most lenient sins, he's going to weigh them, and he won't overlook anything. Just like he weighs the severe sin. Set that aside. Because we might think, if a man is a murderer, so this brotherhood will not look at the fact that he didn't make Erev Tafshilim. What does that mean to a murderer? So it's enough that he's being punished for a very severe sin. So he says, no, I call this brother who will demand of him the penalty for everything that a Jew is expected to do. Ki lo yashkihu achamures The severe sins will not cause the lesser sins to be overlooked. And the judge, means Hashem, when he judges men, will not conceal his eyes from the lenient things, just as he doesn't conceal his eyes from the severe things. And therefore, when a person is thinking of repenting, it's not only for the very serious of us that he has to worry, but any sin, even the smallest, he should consider that it's necessary to repent and to re- make remedy for it. El al kulam yashgiach on all the man's deeds Hashem supervises v'yafakeach and he pays attention v'hashvo echot with the same measure. Lord, don't call everyone to judge everyone, but lahadi shachakach call echot timashu and to punish for each one according to what the sin is. It means, of course, the punishment is different, but you won't overlook because of the severe sins. 
You won't neglect the small things. Set that aside. Now it's true that when Bezdin shall not judge, the human Bezdin judges, so sometimes when a person committed two sins together in one act, they punish him only for the more severe sin. But in Bezdin shall not nothing is overlooked. Umasha Shlema Mela, all of us showed me. Shlema said that. He has called Maise, or Kim Yavabe Mishwat. Every act Hashem will bring in judgment. I'll call Nelam, together with all the concealed things, even things that were forgotten from him, they're concealed from him. For they were so small that he didn't pay attention to them. Im Tobim Ra, a Kodesh Bodach will bring it in judgment to see whether the act is a good act or is not a good act. Ki kasher eina kodesh boruchu meniach mi liskoyot kol ma'asetoyv kotn kemoshu just like a kodesh boruchu will not neglect to reward every good act no matter how small it is. Kein lo yaniach mi lishpit lo chiach al ma'asetoyv kol ma'asetoyv kotn kemoshu in the same manner, you will not neglect to judge and to rebuke for every wrong act, no matter how small it is. That's to take out of the thoughts, means contrary to the thoughts of those who desire to persuade themselves. That I call this God will not bring up for judgment the small things. And it won't demand an accounting for small things. But it's a rule, and he quotes. Anybody who says, is yielding, it overlooks, and doesn't mind small things. You too, he his inwards will be let loose. The play on words. Just as Vatra means he overlooks and he yields, a man's kishkis, his inwards will be yielded to so his life will be yielded. You cannot say that. Our college brother doesn't yield anything. So a person says, Akshan will overlook that. Our college brother will cause his body to overlook his functions. The heart won't function, and his lungs won't function. If he thinks Hashem, he won't function in every little detail. So some of the details of his body won't function. If the evil inclination will say to you, Sin, Hashem will forgive you? That's the expression Yitzhak always uses. He said, well, this time is sin, but you'll be forgiven. Al Tishmalo, don't listen to him because once you have that in mind, then it's certain that it won't be forgiven. Once you do it with the hope that it'll be forgiven, then it's certain that it won't be forgiven. Set that aside. This is something that's perfectly clear. Kehine Kel Emes Hashem. 
הקדוש ברוך הוא איזה שם אפצוס והוא מה שאומר משה רבינו אור לשון משה רבינו עושה הצור תומים פעולות the rock means Hashem his work is perfect he holds the rock of mishpot all of his ways are justice kel emuna vein over is Hashem of faithfulness and honesty and no injustice sadik v'yoshehu he is righteous and upright now it means HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants justice now that's the case since HaKadosh Baruch Hu desires justice so justice means not only to be good to the innocent but it means also to be harsh on the, on the criminals justice, justice is necessary to be kind to the innocent the same justice requires to be strong in punishment to the criminals כן הוא עובר על המשפט, הלמס ואיימן אסקוס כמינה חייבה. It's considered the same transgressing justice if you hide your eyes from somebody's rights or from somebody's wrongs. So just as the just judge has to recognize the rights of the innocent person, he must recognize the wrongs of the wrongdoer. So Akkadish Baruch Hu cannot overlook anything. Otherwise, He is opposing his reputation as being a just judge. Al-Kain, in Mishpot Reis, therefore, if he desires judgment, Soro Sheyitain L'chol Yish Kidrachol, the Chilim Al-Lolov, he has to give each man according to his ways, according to the fruits of his deeds, V'tachli Sadiqtuk, with the utmost carefulness. And just as everyone should get rewarded, for the smallest good deed that he did, so everyone who did anything wrong will be punished for the smallest wrong deed. Whether good or not, he didn't want to say not good, so he said mutar. It means toiv or not good. That's what it meant. Keil emuna is Hashem of faithfulness. No injustice. Sadiq v'yoshahu. And it means either Sadiq and Yoshah. Now they explain that Shepiroshu, the Chalina of all, they explain that Sadiqin Roshayim. He is righteous to the righteous and is righteous to the wicked. Now righteous to the righteous means he recognizes their merits and gives them what they deserve entirely and is just to the wicked and pays them for their crimes entirely. Kikahu Hamida. That's the measure. The measure has to be precise on all sides. And he judges everything. Now he's saying this in response to the argument that some people who say this is not important, it's a small sin, and our Kodesh Baruch Hu overlook it. So he's bringing Psukim that our Kodesh Baruch Hu, by his nature, cannot overlook anything unless a person repents and he asks for forgiveness. Otherwise, there's no such thing that our Kodesh Baruch Hu should overlook anything. He punishes for every sin and there's no way of escaping that. Say that inside. Further. If you'll ask, if that's the case, that Hashem is insistent on punishing for the smallest things, then what is the 
There's such a thing as the quality of mercy. And mercy means to do more than the sinner desires to get. To give him better than he desires to get. If you're going to say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu punishes for the smallest things, so how can you say there's such a thing as be the Sarachim in the world? Kevan she'al kol ponim. Sodech ledagdek bedin al kol dover. Since in any case, he must be careful, precise in judgment on the smallest thing, then how can you say Hashem possesses also a midah of rachm, of compassion? Hatshu answers as follows. There's no question that the quality of Rachman that Hashem has that upholds the world. The world couldn't exist if Hashem didn't have the leader of forgiving. The world couldn't stand without that quality at all. Because what people do would justify destroying the world always. Now despite that, that HaKadosh Baruch has a quality of forgiving and compassion, the quality of justice also doesn't suffer. Now he explains how both things can be true. He said, Actually, according to the right line, the strict line of justice, it would be proper that the sinner should be punished immediately as soon as he sinned without any delay that's what the Midas Hadin requires as soon as a man sinned he deserved immediately to have punishment come upon him and the punishment itself should be with the full sternness Anybody who rebels against the command of Hashem. So two things. First of all, it should be immediate. And secondly, with the full harshness of the sentence. That's what justice requires. And the third, there shouldn't be any way of remedying or making any compensation for the sin. Now he's saying there are three things that should have been according to Midas Hadin. First of all, the punishment should come immediately, without any chance to do anything about it. Too late, you did it, immediately the punishment should come. Secondly, it should come with a full harshness, without any alleviation. And third, there shouldn't be any opportunity to make amends, to say, I'm sorry, to repent, no. That's against justice. Justice said you have to suffer, and you being sorry won't help at all. That's justice. How can a man remedy that which he made wrong? Once he did something wrong, it's wrong. Sin is done already. You can't go back and change history. If a man murders somebody, then he's sorry later. He couldn't revive the dead man. If a man committed adultery, can he go back now and repent and undo what he did? 
if you call the sock and adobe as a how can you remedy this thing? He's able to remove an act which he already did. Can he remove it from the fact of history? That's according to Midas Adin. Now Midas Arachmim comes in now in these three things and helps out. How? We'll soon see. First set that aside. And now he explains that the Midas Arachmim steps in in these three cases. First of all, although the sinner deserves his punishment, but I call this brother who sometimes gives him a stay to postpone his sentence. They give an opportunity to him to remedy the wrong that he did. That's why the punishment doesn't come immediately. Now, some people utilize that to say there's no punishment. So our college brother said, you're taking my kindliness and you're utilizing it for the opposite of what I intended. I intended you should get better at that time. And you're saying that the fact that the punishment didn't come immediately is a sign there's no punishment. That's a very big sin. So when a man did something wrong and did not punish immediately, he should be grateful to Hashem that our college brother gives him a stay of sentence in order to remedy what he did wrong. If he doesn't do tshuva, the punishment will come later. Sometimes it will come years later. He might be sitting in a taxi and the taxi bumped against a tree and the tree fell down and crushed him. It happened to a girl once. Now, why did it happen? I'm sure there was something that I called his brother wanted to pay her for that she did years ago. And he didn't do it immediately, but she didn't repent in the meantime. And therefore, the taxi bumped against a tree, and the tree broke off and fell on the taxi and crushed her. So I called his brother. He waits and waits and waits. And when he sees the person doesn't utilize this uh, privilege of waiting, so I called his brother. Finally, collects. The second that I called his brother said, although there's a sentence on the person, but I'm going to make his sentence a little less harsh or be much less harsh. That's already retreating from the first principle. First principle was that our Kodesh brother who gives the sinner his full punishment. Now, the Midas Arachim steps in there, every sin is punished. Only our Kodesh brother who sometimes alleviates the punishment a little bit. Instead of putting a person to death, let's say, for harming somebody's feelings, I know as Dvarim, if a man says to his wife, or to somebody in nasty words and hurts the feeling, and his wife weeps, his wife weeps because of that, because he deserves to die. If he says words to his wife that makes her weep, he deserves to die. But sometimes I call this brother who lets him wait a while. Now that waiting is for the purpose, he should be better. Now sometimes I call this brother who doesn't put the punishment of death on him, but some other punishment, in order that he should be able to repent yet. Now he deserves a full punishment. Only I call his brother, let's have a, a mild punishment. There's a punishment. Now if he utilizes mildness to say it's not such a big sin, you see what happened? Not so serious. He only had a stroke instead of falling dead. He only had lost a leg, let's say, instead of becoming killed. So if he's utilizing that, Hashem will say, that's the case, you're misusing my kindness. So the second, that Hashem alleviates the severity of the punishment, and not to give the sinner a chance to repent. And the third, 
that Hashem accepts repentance. Although Alpidin, by judgment, it should be too late. Once you did something, it's done. Kodesh Baruch allows you to compensate with Shuvah. What kind of Shuvah? It depends according to the sin. But it has to be something that compensates for the sin. So now, what's one of the three things? One is, Kodesh Baruch postpones the punishment. That's a Midasarach Amen. To give a man the chance to repent. Secondly, Akadish Baruch alleviates the severity of the punishment to give a person a chance to repent. And thirdly, Hashem accepts your checks. That's your own money to people. And you start giving out checks. What good are your checks, they say? You have no money in the bank to back the check. Hashem accepts your checks in the hope that maybe someday you'll pay for the check. You'll do sure. Now talk about the three things that the Midasarach does. That's all for now. Aleph, the bottom line, Omnon. Aleph, or the bottom line, Omnon. So show the place to your neighbors, please. Before, the Mechaber asked a question. Since HaKadosh Baruch Hu is called Kael Emes, Hashem of Truth, then how can it be that when someone committed something wrong, that he should be able to gain forgiveness, even by repentance? Let's say someone owes you money. Can he repent and thereby be absolved from paying for the money? So just like a money penalty cannot be atoned for by repentance, so any other sin against Hashem, why should repentance help? That was his question. And now he's answering that the there's a place for both. There's a place for justice, Kale Emmets, and there's a place also for compassion when a person repents properly. That's how I'm going to explain now. It's not a contradiction. In no sense, causes the opposite of the three points he brought above. Above he mentioned three points. Why should a person be able to go free from his punishment by repentance? One question. Another question. Why should he be able to postpone his punishment? It should come immediately. Another question is, why should a person get some alleviation, some lightening of his punishment? These three things, he said, are caused by the Midas HaRachman. Akadishbor has a Midas Hadin, that's one of his attributes, which means strictly according to the line of reasoning, 
of Seichel, and Midas Arachamim which follows compassion. So how can he yield and Midas Arachamim and sometimes forgive his sin entirely, or postpone the punishment, or alleviate and lighten the punishment? So he said, the Midas Arachamim is the one that causes the opposite of these three questions behind him. Time should be given to the sinner. He should not be destroyed from the world immediately as soon as he commits the sin. That's number one. who grants opportunity for a person to change, to make amends, to be mechapa, to repent. The second, Also, the Midas Arachamim can cause that the punishment should not be a full destruction as it deserves, it should be alleviated and be lightened. And sometimes repentance can be accepted with a full acceptance and the sin is cancelled out. These three things the Midas Arachim can accomplish. It should be considered when he uproots from his mind the desire for this sin as if he uprooted the sin. It means this. Looking back at the sin when he had done the act he did it with a certain desire to do it. Now he has uprooted that desire from his mind. He saw how wrong it was, how silly it was. And therefore, now, if the opportunity presented itself again, he wouldn't do the same thing, because he's not the same man anymore. So I told his brother who accepts the uprooting of a frame of mind, changing his frame of mind, as if he was able to uproot and cancel out the deed. Because the one who is repentant recognizes his sin, or more devil, and he admits how wrong he was, and he spends time thinking about how evil had been his deed. And he repents, and he regrets, a complete regret that was retroactive, Meaning, had he had the opportunity again, he certainly wouldn't have done it. It's considered kecharotes haneda mamish, exactly like your matzah haneda. The person repents, he made a neda, or the neda is a serious act, but the person regrets it, so they can be matzah haneda and cancelled out entirely. The whole your chopes or mistake. And the sinner desires and he yearns, would I never have done that act? He looks back and says, oh, if I had never done that act, how much happier I would have been. We're six lines up from the bottom of the paragraph. And in his mind, he has great distress. I'll say, that the thing is already done. 
he's so sorry that the thing has been done. But for the future, he forsakes it entirely. And he runs away from any possibility of repeating his sin. By uprooting the thing from his will, from his desire for it, it will be considered as if it was uprooted a nether, and therefore it's a throne. The Pesach says, the soul of your sin will depart, and your sin will be forgiven. The sin departs from being in existence at all. And it becomes entirely uprooted. For now, he is in distress and he regrets what had been done previously. I want to explain that it cannot be completely reconciled. Certainly, the Midas Arachamim to a certain extent contradicts the Midas Adin, but not entirely. And how does he explain that? Because when a person actually regrets with his full heart for what he had done, in a certain sense, he uproots the act that had been done previously. Looking back, even though a long time elapsed between the sin and between the complete repentance, nevertheless, the repentance is able to work backward and uproot the sin from existence. That's the idea of truth. So when people not only stop doing the wrong things, but they lose interest in them, and they despise wrong things, and now, looking back on their past, they're full of shame, remorse, and repentance. Why did I do such a silly thing? Then it's considered as if it's not the same person anymore. As if he now had changed everything. Not only he changed himself now, but as he changed his past history too. Now that's a Kiddush. How can he change past history? But I told his brotherhood, accepts your present state of Teshuvah as if it had been all the way back, extended back in your history, and all the acts that you did with a different frame of mind are now uprooted because of your present frame of mind. Say that in the sun. Now, when a person sinned only between himself and Hashem, so he harmed only his own soul, he only harmed himself. There, also, we need to use the Midas Arachim to explain why Tshuva can be accepted. However, it's easier to understand because he now is not the same personality and therefore he is judged according to what he would have done then with his present frame of mind. Question could be asked, suppose he did a sin that involved other people, he harmed other people. It ruined other people's lives. Or he did certain damage to people that's beyond repair. So what will it help 
even though he changed his frame of mind now, but looking back, the injury to others still remains. The answer is that nobody in this world is able to do a thing. He cannot harm anybody, and he cannot benefit anybody. A human being only has the power to desire to do things. He has bechir, he chooses to do things. But to carry out his will, not in his power. That's only up to Akkadish Baruch. Now with A, maimed B, made him lose his foot. It's not because of A's acts. Hashem wanted B to lose his foot. If Hashem didn't decree that B should lose his foot, A could never accomplish it, no matter how he tried. A would get the punishment for the sin of desiring to cut off B's foot. But the actual act was accomplished by Hashem because B deserved it. Now, the fact that B deserves it does not make A any more innocent. No. A is completely guilty as if he himself had done the whole thing. But when A, when, when the, the sinner looks back and regrets his choice, so that's all that needs to be done. For the act itself was done by Hashem for his own purposes. That's right. If Hitler killed Jews in Europe, it was because HaKadosh Baruch Hu was displeased with them. And he was the one who decided that they should be punished. Only Hitler was chosen because he was a Russia, and Hashem saw that's what he would want to do. Therefore, he is held accountable for every person who suffered because of him, as if he had done it. Actually, he didn't do it. In the Vuzaradon, Rav Tabuch and the great butcher, who slaughtered many Jews at the time of Choven Bayes Rishon, still he ran away and became a girl. He became a girl. I don't know exactly what kapor he received, but no question that he's a girl and his children were Jews. Because the fact that Hashem caused Jews to be killed at the time of the Choven, that was his choice, Hashem's choice. And Uzzaradan only participated with his Bechir, with his free will. And therefore, with his free will, is able to be miscapel, but now, looking back, he regrets what he did, and had he been in a similar situation, he never would have done it. Therefore, it's considered, as far as he is concerned, as we didn't do anything. And the fact that others suffered because of him, that's Hashem is doing. I'll go on further. Next paragraph. This certainly is not according to the strict line of justice that you should be able to undo the sins that you once performed. Ah, I'll call upon him, he may who chesed. It's a certain kindliness. It doesn't entirely contradict the line of justice. There's a certain way of looking at it, and there's a certain attitude from a certain side that you can explain it. Instead of the will at the time that he decided to do the sin, 
or the pleasure that it had at that time he did the sin. Now comes the distress and the regrets for what he had done. So therefore, in a certain sense, it is not a complete contradiction, because his regret and his distress approach the attitude he had when he did the act. The fact that Hashem postpones the penalty, that's not yielding to the principle of justice. It's a little bit of patience. Hashem is waiting. Eventually, if the sinner wouldn't repent, then the full punishment would come upon him anyhow. Only Akkadish Baruch who yields a little to give an opportunity to change his ways. The can open up a doorway to improve himself. And therefore, he admits it's a slight contradiction, but not a major contradiction. It's after here. <laughs> Up to now, he had mentioned three forms of chesed. One was that Akkadish Baruch postpones the punishment. Secondly, that sometimes he lightens the punishment. And thirdly, sometimes he accepts the shuvah and entirely cancels out the sin. Now he said there are more things included in Midas HaChesed, for instance, Rechein, Shor told Darke has other ways of Chesed that Hashem has. For instance, Brom Ezake Abba, a son can give merit to the father. The father died, and let's say the father had upon himself certain things that are held against him. But the son practiced righteousness, he did Tzedakah, did mistress. So in a certain sense, the merit of the son is reflected on the father, even after the father passed away. Now that is not Shuras Hadim. If a man committed a crime, the fact that his son is a Sadiq is not going to atone for his crime. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu, among the dark Ayachesed, he accepts that. That's why it's so important for children to do a mitzvah because it'll be a schus for their parents. And especially if they say, I'm doing this in the merit of my father and my mother, even better. As a principle, bro mezake a son can confer schus on his father. Now that's not shure sadin. It's not strict justice. It's midas rachmen. Another one. Oh, Hashem takes part of a person's life instead of a whole life. Sometimes a man deserves to lose his life. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu punishes him in one of his limbs. He's partially crippled. Or even Malchus. Like Malchus is a minor form of capital punishment. By hitting a person, 39 lashes is intended to be instead of a more severe punishment. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives substitutes to alleviate the severity of the real punishment. All these are included in Dark Echaz. There are more Dark Echaz, otherwise too. HaMuskorim, Bediv HaChacham, mentioned in the words of HaChacham. 
all of them are dark chesed heim lekabel esamuet ways of kindliness to accept a little bit as payments for deserves a great payment a small amount Hashem accepts in place of a very big amount that's owing because of the sin but actually they do not contradict entirely the meat of justice because there is a good reason why they are considered important all of these dark chesed have a reason if a man has a son that's righteous after all the son came into the world because of his parents so the parents were the agents that brought this righteous son into the world especially if they supported him and fed him while he was growing up they certainly have a share in the son's future righteousness and therefore there is some sense behind some justice behind this actually not an entire reconciliation between the question of Din and Rachanim but to a certain extent is a minor contradiction not a major contradiction but that sins should be forgiven without anything at all is out of the question that's against justice oh or that Hashem shouldn't look at the sins he should overlook them that's impossible Hashem is the leader of justice and justice requires that the sins should not be overlooked that we entirely against the judgments of Hashem and Hashem says Hashem of faithfulness and justice he cannot overlook and forgive without a cause but then it wouldn't be any true justice if Hashem would overlook and therefore therefore, you cannot find that at all no such thing that Hashem overlooks. Except here first. Anachaba has spent a good deal of time on this subject in order to impress on us the very great principle that nothing is overlooked. Even the smallest act, HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes note and remembers it forever. And therefore it could be somebody did something wrong when he was quite young, even a boy of 13, but he's responsible at 13. Only I thought his brother was waiting and waiting and waiting. And sometimes when there's a grown man, suddenly an accident happens and no one understands. But the truth is, Hashem was collecting an old debt from him. He maintains his patience, but eventually he collects. And the fact that a long time has passed should not lull anyone into a feeling of security that no longer does he have to worry about his sin. Sooner or later, there's going to be retribution. And therefore, it's important for a person to look back and to make as much restitution as possible. Even if it was a boy who went and pilfered and stole things from stores, 
they must make it his business to find ways and means of making amends for what he had done because nothing is forgotten that's what he wants to impress upon us Membeis, the bottom line before he said that the Midas Hadin is not entirely contradicted by the Midas Arachamim and the Midas Hadin functions always unless some of the considerations of the Midas Arachamim are present for instance if the Chet is possible to wait so Hashem waits before he punishes if it's possible to alleviate the punishment he alleviates some of the punishment if it's possible to forgive entirely if the Chetet does you he forgives entirely we learn some other considerations sometimes a good son is a excuse for a father the other considerations would be in Al Kain therefore, Zeefshaklaw. It's not possible at all to be found that a Kodish Borahu should forgive a sin for nothing. One of these ways that you mentioned cannot be found for the sinner to escape punishment. It's certain that the Midas Hadin will not go back empty handed. Which means that Kodesh Baruchu surely will eventually send retribution. Chayin Omru, the Chayin of Rochi quotes, Marich Ape Vigovi Delay. Hashem is patient, but he collects what's owing to him eventually. And even though years may pass by, and people will think that because nothing happened, that the sin is overlooked, they should know that eventually. He will catch up with them, and I call this brother who will never forget, and he's surely going to punish. Set inside. Nimso, so it comes out from this. She'ein la'odam horosulifkech einov pitoy. A man who wishes to open his eyes cannot find any self-persuasion. That he should persuade himself not to be careful with his deeds, with extreme carefulness. Because even the smallest thing, Akadish Borohu remembers and he finally punishes. And he must be careful in a most precise manner. Which means that because he knows this principle that our Kodesh Baruch Hu never overlooks anything, even the smallest thing, therefore a person who has good sense will make it his business to see that he takes very good care of everything that he does. Now these are attitudes that a person has to look at things from these viewpoints. And if he does that, if you study what was said until now, over and over again, you will acquire the quality of Zahiras. Zahiras means awareness, 
to be aware of what you're doing. In Balanefesh, if it's a person of character. Of course, not everybody has character. But people of character, when they study what was said before, they're going to respond properly, and they'll become people who have the quality called Zahiras. Here it means awareness. In other words, Zahar, their minds are illuminated, they don't walk in darkness, and they understand what they have to do, and they understand their general paths in life, and they understand the individual acts that they have to do. Up till now, he was talking in generalizations. But now in this parak, is going to give us concrete examples of what people must keep in mind in order to succeed in this quest after the heroes. Now the chapter is called Bebeor Mafside Hasiris to explain the things that are obstacles to Zahiris. We are talking him and how to keep away from these things. There are three obstacles to this quality of Zeus, or they're marching. I mean, even after you gain the quality, they can cause you to lose it. Now, these three things that he's going to enumerate are of the greatest importance. Practical things, and we have to study them carefully. One, who had people that tear the elements. The worldly business. We're busy with things of this world. I was going to explain that. We're so busy with everything that we have no time to think of what the important things of life really are. Hashem the second. Hashem the second. Laughing and jesting. Laughing and jesting are some of the biggest obstacles to awareness. Now we'll see why that is. Hashlish in the third, wrong company. Wrong company, one of the great barriers to succeeding in the real purposes of life. And now, we'll speak about them, each one at a time. First say that. But to keep in mind, it's worth reviewing in mind the three titles. And always to have them in mind. One is the worldly people that keeps his mind busy with everything but what's most important in life. Secondly, jesting and mocking, jesting and ridicule, keep it sing around, fun loving and ridicule. And the third is the wrong company. Now it starts. In the we spoke about that already above. Because a man is busy with the things of his world. His minds are tied with the bonds of the burden that he's carrying. Imagine a man is carrying a big burden on his head, and the burden is tied to his head with ropes. Now these ropes are pressing against his head. That's a muscle. The things that a person has to carry on his head in this lifetime, he has to carry things. But these bonds are around his head and don't let him think about what is really important. His thoughts are bound by the bonds of the burden that's on them. And he cannot put his mind to consider his behavior. 
Bahachomim, Aleyhem Asholom, when the Chachomim saw this, Omer they said, Heaven and Moed Be'ezek, reduce, limit the things you have to do, and spend your time and learning to means. Avoid all unnecessary involvements. All kinds of activities that you are able to jettison, to get rid of, you should do so. Only the ones that are essential. You have to do things in this world, but you don't have to go, let's say, visiting people, unless sometimes it's an emergency, you must visit certain relatives. Otherwise, visiting shouldn't be part of your program. And surely, going to games, amusements, entertainments, as much as possible. Of course, if you have to go out for a walk, for fresh air, exercise, all these things are necessary things. But whatever you could avoid, you must avoid. Because you need all the time that you can get for yourself. And when they say it doesn't mean only learning the Gemara. Batera means all the things that the Torah requires. And the Torah requires thinking too. There's a great deal of thought that we'll soon see is required in the fulfillment of Torah. Being busy is something that's forced upon a man for the needs of his livelihood. Certainly has to go to work. But the additional busyness is not so necessary that it shouldn't leave him a place for his avoidance. Let's say a man works from 9 to 5, very good, but he has evenings, and it's valuable time. He has Friday nights, and Shabbos nights, and all day Shabbos, and some have Sundays too. And therefore, a man must not look for additional things, because he cannot afford to allow his thoughts to be tied up always with the things that are not the important matters in his life. What are the important matters of his life? And most people won't realize. Of course, learning Torah is very, very important. But in addition to learning Torah, the other things that require time. Now, most people don't even dream about those things. If you learn Chavis Halvavis, you begin to see the whole world of thinking that's required of us. To recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to recognize His hand in history, to recognize His hand in our lives, to think over our lives and see whether we're going in the right direction. There's so much to do with our own thoughts that we need all the extra time we can get. Al Kain therefore needs Talvinu. We were commanded to set time as Torah. It means don't rely merely on whenever you have time. Make a set time, and it should be considered your job. That's your business to learn Torah in these hours, because otherwise it'll get lost in all other opportunities to waste time and other things. Say that inside. We already mentioned Shehi. That means the study of Torah. It's most necessary for a man to arrive at awareness. Now, explain that briefly. We have to stop. It means when you say a man should learn to be aware, that's to know to be aware of what? It's like waking up a man. 
For what? He doesn't know what you want of him. So when you wake yourself up, and you say, be aware of what? You have to know there's such a thing, for instance, be aware. Are you behaving properly to your wife? Very big problem in life. Very many people, very many people are not. Or, or to your husband, same thing. Or are you wasting your dominant time, just shaking and saying words? You're losing one of the most valuable opportunities in life. And now when you learn Gemara, you begin seeing how important it is. For the Gemara says, if a man vexes his wife, hurts her feelings, sometimes she even sheds a tear, then he already committed something, he might lose his life because of that. He might be punished with his life. That's not serious. The Gemara says such stories. Or when a man ignores the importance of Davenin, so he says that things, things that stand in the highest place in the world, Philo. Or you can communicate with HaKadosh Baruch and change your thoughts when you study all the ideas that in the Siddha and the Cyclopedia of Emunah and Chochmah. And therefore, if a man doesn't learn the Gemara that reminds him of these things, then he's surely not able to be aware. Now, of course, if you go to a place in Yeshiva where they skip all the Agadite, you only learn the things on which you can say uh, some Philpulim, very good, but the skipping Agadite is like taking bread and removing all the vitamins from it, eating only the starch. And therefore, a person can't live without having the ideology of the Gemara. And therefore, there's so much, if you learn Gemara the straight, there's so much to know in order to know what to think about that a man can come to the heroes. And he quoted above our statement, Torah brings the man to the heroes. So before you start anything, you must know what are you trying to do? What are your goals? And the Torah tells us your goals. Only he's going to tell us in this Sefer how to arrive at those goals. Headline. The top line. <coughs> In this paddock, he deals with the obstacles to acquiring the attitude of awareness of the hearers, and also that even after they are acquired, all the things of Zahiris, they can still be cancelled out by some of the things he's enumerating here. Now, I enumerated three things. One is being too busy to have any time to think about yourself. The second is the attitude of ridicule and laughter and taking things lightly as Schoik Valosun. And the third is wrong company, wrong environment. Now we are on the first subject of being too busy. Omem Dalit, the top line. Ukemamar Rabbi Pinchas, like he quoted above, Torah Mevili Desiris. It all starts with learning. Torah brings to awareness. Now it doesn't mean you have to be a giants in Torah. Of course, the more you know, the more you'll have incentive to make progress. <coughs> but it means you must be in contact with learning. And that contact 
is going to open up your eyes, if you're willing, to let you recognize the truth about yourself and the truth about the world. So it brings you to Zahiris. Torah is the stimulus that causes a person to become aware of the great truth of the world. I'll take just one simple example. When a person is not in contact with the Torah, he is immersed entirely in materialism. Even if he is observant, if rooms you, it's Olam Hasa. That's all he knows, this world. But after all, this world is only the preface to the world to come. The real existence is in the afterlife. And when a person walks all his life on this path of Agashmias and doesn't think at all of his eventual existence, then that person is not aware of anything. He walks in darkness. But by being in contact with Torah, we are constantly reminded that there's a world to come. Another example. If you walk on the street, even among from Jews, you can forget about Hashem. Don't think about Him. You can think about even Jewish customs, even Jewish observances. But Hashem, as a reality, plays no part in their lives. They are loyal, they conform, but where is Hashem? Don't think about Him. Now, by being in contact with Torah, we are constantly reminded by Yomer Hashem, El Moshe, Vaydaber Hashem, and so on. Constantly the Torah reminds us about that most important of all principles. So how can people live all their lives and almost never think about Hashem? And so you see, to be aware of the reality of life is impossible unless you're in contact with Torah. And without Torah, he won't arrive as the hivas at all. And Amores cannot be a chosit. Now, Amores doesn't mean a person who doesn't observe. No. The old Amores was a man sometimes who wouldn't give, would give his life for the practices of Judaism. Many Amores were put to death because they refused to yield their Torah practices. And nevertheless, an Amoraz cannot be a Chosid. And a Chosid means somebody who is devoted to Hashem. If you're not learned, if you know nothing, not in contact with the Torah, it's impossible for you to be devoted to Hashem. They say, the Creator. Who put the evil inclination into man? And by the way, now he brought up a subject that's going to be mentioned constantly. There is a force in the world, a force called the Yetzirah, and this force is constantly striving to wean men away from the way of truth, and everybody is subject to that force unless he has the means of combating the Yetzirah. Now, who created this force? HaKadosh Baruch Because he wanted to test men and give men the reward that they gain by fighting back against the Yetzirah. That's the whole purpose of life, to succeed in this battle for righteousness. Now, who created the Yetzirah? Hashem. 
Now, since he is the one that created it, he knows most of all how to deal with it. And he told us there's only one way to deal with the Sahara, and that is Torah. Shebora, he created Yetzirah Boda. Who Shebora Tevet Tavlin? He created the Torah as Tavlin. Now, Tavlin, some translate antidote. Torah is an antidote to the Yetzirah. The truth is, that's not the right translation. Tavlin means a condiment that causes it to have a taste. The Yetzirah is actually very useful. All the Yetzirahs. Only when you learn Torah, the Yetzirah acquires a pleasant taste and it becomes part of life, for instance. The desire for kavod, for glory. That's a Yetzirah. And many people were ruined by this evil inclination to look for kavod. But when a person learns Torah, then he takes the Yetzirah and makes it one of the most important means of excelling in righteousness. Because when you use the instincts or covet for good things, you say, I want to be the one who is the most decent person. I want to be the one who is the kindliest person. I want to be the one who learns the most. I want to be the one who gives the most charity. I want to be the one who talks the least. I want to be the one who stands the longest monastery. Now that is motivated by the instinct of trying to excel. You want to be the best. So you're taking COVID, which actually is a very great sakana. Even great people were ruined by this desire for COVID because they allowed themselves to be misled by it. But if you know how to use it with Torah, it becomes not, the Torah is not an antidote to the Yetzirah of COVID, but the Torah utilizes the COVID and makes it one of the best things in the world. That's why you talk to your children and tell a child, you want to be the best, best boy or the best girl, do this or do that. When you praise men and women for righteous acts, you're encouraging the instincts for covered in them and they'll try to be even better. And therefore, it's not an antidote, but it's like a condiment. Let's say, <coughs> if you add salt to the meat, it makes the meat better. Not that the salt is an antidote to the meat. If you add onions let's say, to the meat, it makes the meat taste better. And so, Torah is not an antidote to the Yetzirah, but it's a condiment. Let's stay up to here. Like our sages said, I was quoting the words of Hashem. Borosi Yetzirah. I created the Yetzirah. Borosi lo Torah tabling. I created the Torah as a condiment for it. Now, it's like a manufacturer who made a certain, let's say, uh, tape recorder. And he says, I recommend my batteries. I made it. He knows what's best for his machine. So I told boys, I made the Yetzirah, and I'm telling you that it'll function properly if you also put in the battery of Torah. That's the way. Otherwise, the battery will burn you up. The Esau will burn you up. When you put in a Torah battery, then the Esau will become useful and will be one of the means of succeeding. No part of this lecture may be reproduced in any form, even for personal use.